been blessed with another day. Amen. Amen. And I don't say that all the time, but every day's a new day. Every day you're blessed with another day. Now I look at it, God is good. All the time. Even in the bad times, God is good. If anything, because he's with us through the bad times, you know. Sometimes you got friends that when you're going through a bad time, you look around and they're gone. Like, man, I thought they were with me through thick and thin, and when it got thick, they were gone. But God's with you all the time, even in the bad times. Before we get started, Brother Edward, would you pray over that lesson, please? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear Lord, for this opportunity to gather together and praise your holy name. Dear Father, I ask you to touch up on your servant this morning, give her that wisdom and knowledge she needs to bring your message forth, and open up our ears and our hearts. Open up our ears to hear this lesson and heart receive it so we can put it in our lifestyle. We thank you again for Jesus Christ. Your son, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Before we get started, I want to say it's good to see my daughter and son-in-law in church with us this morning. They're Amen. from Jacksonville. Yeah. Now, how many, how many of us, when we mess up, make a mistake, and we like it when somebody helps up, steps up to help us fix it? Amen. Especially if sometimes, even if we can do it on our own. It's nice to help have somebody help carry that load, you know, or maybe when we've lost our temper with someone or wronged another person. Are we humble? And we go to them and ask for forgiveness humbly, and they forgive us. It's a good feeling to know that when you've done something wrong or you've hurt somebody's feelings, that they're not upset with you anymore. You know, you can go to them and say, I'm sorry, and you make up. You know, I always say, if parents will stay out of the kids fighting, 10 minutes after they fought, they've made up. You get parents involved, and then everybody's mad forever. But you know, when we, when we do that, we know that we've wronged them, but then they forgive us and they put it in the past, and it's not ever really brought up again. It's called grace. I mean, God gives us his grace all the time. Amen. I'm so thankful for his grace. Turn over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 4 and I'm going to read through verse 9. And when you get there, if you can, stand for the reading of the word. Ephesians chapter 2, starting verse 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can be seated. 
Why does God show us grace and mercy? Think about it. It's because he loves us. He loves us. Each and every one. And don't think just because you're a Christian that God only loves a Christian. Because let me tell you something. Before you became a Christian, you were a sinner. Whether you like to admit it or not, we were all sinners. It says we all came short of the glory of the Lord. God loves everybody. Everybody. It doesn't matter where you're from, how much money you have, what color you are, what language you speak. God loves everybody. And we as Christians need to accept that. Even when we didn't acknowledge him or live for him, God loved us enough to send his son to die for us. By grace, you're saved. Not who we are, not how good we've been, how much money we have, or even all the good works that we've done. It's only because God loved us enough to send his son to die for us. The Bible said it's a gift from God. And if you look that word up, of course we all know a gift is a present. But it's a thing given willingly to someone without payment. So when you give someone a gift, you give it, hopefully, from your heart. Because you care about that person. We could never, never, never pay our sin debt. It's just no way possible. Because salvation, God gave that freely. And it's given by God. It cannot be earned. And it's for merited is what it said. And that word just says deserve or be worthy of. So no matter what, we could never be worthy of our salvation. We cannot wipe away our sins. We cannot forgive ourselves of our sins. Not make it to heaven. Now, once we've gotten saved, we have to forgive ourselves for the things that we've done and go on. God's forgotten our past, and we need to forget our past. You know? But salvation. No one is worthy of salvation. We're not. Only Jesus Christ could make that possible. He's the one. What he did on the cross makes it possible for us to have salvation. For us to be washed in the blood, to be cleansed from all of that, to be made white as snow. But that's only through Jesus Christ. No other way can you have salvation except through Jesus Christ. Turn over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 6. Romans 5 and 6. It says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. For scarcely for righteous, for scarcely for righteous man will one die. Yet for a venture for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about it. Think about what those verses say. You know, at one point in time, like I said, we're all ungodly. 
sometimes even as Christians, there's point in times when we're ungodly, when we lose our temper or we gossip about somebody or we do something that we shouldn't. But the good thing about that is we've got a Savior that we can call upon that will forgive us and then we can pick up and go on. goes back to at one point in time we were all sinners. You know, verse 7, it says that, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet for adventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. It's kind of saying it'd be hard to find somebody to die for you, especially if they knew how you would act and talk and feel about them after they're gone. You know, we don't mind helping somebody that likes us or good to us or even a stranger that we don't know. But you get that hard to get along with co-worker, one that just is hateful all the time, or family member, or stranger. We don't want to help them as much. So it's talking about that it would be hard sometimes to find somebody that would die for you, especially if they knew the end result would be that they wouldn't appreciate it, they wouldn't even acknowledge it, they wouldn't care that you died for them. Jesus died over 2,000 years ago, and they're still persecuting him. How many people badmouth Jesus? How many people badmouth Christianity? How many people say it's not real? Or I have one person say it's a cult. Jesus is still being persecuted even though he died years ago. So why do we think that we're above being persecuted or being talked about? You know, he did it. He died knowing some would never call him his name. He knew that. Everyone's not going to be saved. But I like that word, whosoever. Whosoever calleth upon his name shall be saved. You know, he God knew that there were going to be some that wouldn't accept his son. They wouldn't accept Jesus Christ as his son or his plan of salvation. And yet Jesus chose to die anyway for mankind. If that's not love, grace, and mercy, I don't know what is. Somebody that's going to love you when you're standing there being mean to them, picking on them, maybe even punching you, and yet you love them anyway. That's love, grace, and mercy. And that's what Jesus Christ gives to us. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 14. Hebrews 4 and 14. This seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. If we're saved, born again, Christians, however you want to put it, it's because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. That's the only way, and I'm going to say that a lot during this lesson. That's the only way to God is through the Son, and that is Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross for us. And because of that, 
all of our sins, not just part of them. God forgives our sins, but it's hard for us to forgive ourselves. And once God has forgiven us, then it's gone. It's wiped clean. Now, man will come back and try to remind you of your past. Oh, I remember when you used to do this. I remember when me and you used to go do that. Well, I got news for you. When you get saved, you get a clean slate. And all that stuff you used to do in the past, that's gone. That's forgotten. And when somebody brings that up and says, Oh, I remember when you used to do so and so, I get say, Yeah, but I've been cleansed by the blood. God has wiped me clean. I don't do that anymore because I'm a new man. I love Larry's song, The Old Man is Dead. When we get saved, that old man is dead. And we get a new start. God forgives us of all of our sins. But we don't just get saved, you know, and say, well, Jesus, okay, I've done my part. I'm going to sit here till you take me home. No, he sits on the right hand of the Father. And every time we mess up, and believe me, as a Christian, we will mess up. Now, I'm not talking about willful sinning. That's not what I'm talking about. But sometimes we're even trying to do good and we mess up. Sometimes we get ahead of God. Sometimes we think we know what he wants when we haven't stopped to ask him. Sometimes we just fail. I have failed him. So many times I can't count them over the years. So we're going to mess up. But when we do, Jesus Christ sits on the right hand of the Father and he's pleading our case. No, God does not have to forgive us. He wants to forgive us. And he does that because he loves us. You know, if your child messes up, you don't disown him. You may be mad at them. Believe me, there have been times when I would like to pinch their heads off. Got them by the shark collar and shook them real good. But I never stopped loving them. Sometimes I didn't even like them. But I never stopped loving them. God will never stop loving you. Whether you live for him, whether you don't, whether you live for him and walk away, he will never stop loving you. And we need to remember that, you know. He wants to forgive us. Have you ever loved somebody and they, they do you wrong and you kind of part ways and you don't speak and you don't go around each other? Just stay mad about it. And even though you're hurt and, and maybe you're mad at them, you miss them and you miss being around them and you kind of wish they'd come back and say they're sorry. And that way that relationship could be patched up. And then they do. And you rejoice. Because that empty spot in your life, you've got a child in there. I've got kids that aren't, we're not mad at each other, but they don't live here. They live off. Like I said, April's in Jacksonville, Jennifer's in, or Tammy's in Bologna, Jennifer's in Conway. I don't see them very much. There's an empty spot. I miss them. I miss them being around. So, you know, when they come around, you kind of rejoice. Usually I have to cook for them to get them to the house once they're grown. But you know that when they come back around, that empty spot's filled. 
isn't that kind of the way it is with God? You know, we do things we shouldn't. We get mad. We stomp off. He misses us. He loves us. He wants us to come back. There's a void there. It's called love, grace, and mercy. You know, because of that, we should hold on to our salvation with everything we have. You will never find anybody that will love you as much as Jesus Christ does. Your family can love you. Your friends can love you. You can love yourself. But no one will love you as much as Jesus Christ. We need to hold on to our salvation. That's going to get us through this life here on earth. But it's also going to get us into heaven and into eternity. Verse 15 talks about, said, uh, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but as was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. When Jesus was tempted, he went to the word. It is written. When we're tempted, just remember that Jesus was tempted. And believe me, we're all going to be tempted. With one thing or another, we're all going to be tempted. That's what Satan does. That's his job is to tempt us. We've all been tempted, and we will continue to be tempted, especially if you're a Christian. But if Satan tempted Jesus himself, why would he not tempt us? Right. I mean, you know, what he went through, he went through everything he did because he knew we were going to have to go through some of it when we were here. It said, touched with the feeling of our infirmities. When we go through something bad, it hurts him to see us hurting. It hurts him to see us going through a hard time. That's one of the reasons he sent the comforter to us, to help us through life here on this side before we take that last breath and enter into eternity. Jesus was tempted, but he did not give in to that temptation. And we're supposed to follow his example. Now, we're weak. And sometimes we give in to that temptation and that goes back to what I said a while ago I'm not talking about willful sinning I'm not talking about doing something when you know you're not supposed to but sometimes we mess up Jesus is there to say Father Satan tempted me with that I know how hard it is to overcome it give him one more chance have a little mercy Show a little love and grace. You know? Verse 16 said, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because we're saved and we know that Jesus is our mediator, we can come to God with our problems and our hurts and our troubles, our trials, anything, and be confident knowing God cares about us. If there's one thing I know for sure in my heart is that God loves me. He loves me. And I look back and think he loved me when I wasn't worth loving. He loves me. I'm one of those that didn't even acknowledge he was real. He 
love me anyway. And I know that no matter what, no matter what I'm going through, no matter how bad it is, no matter how broken hearted I am, God loves me. And in knowing that is where I grow my strength to know that no matter what, I'm going to be okay. I don't know how. Don't know how I'll end. But I know that God's got me. And I'll be okay. He cares about us. And His grace is sufficient for our lives. That we may obtain or acquire mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How wonderful is that? To know that no matter what's going on, no matter how bad, we're going to have God's love, grace, and mercy. He's going to be with us. I've loved that footsteps in the or footsteps, I think is the name of it, where there's only one set of footsteps in the sand. And that's when he carried him. How many times has God carried us through something because we did not have the strength to make it through on our own? Love, grace, and mercy. He's there for us. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now Paul's writing to Timothy to encourage him. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. 2 Timothy 2 and 1. It says, Thou, therefore my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Thou, that's us. He was talking to him. Thou, when you see that, that's pertaining to us too. We are to be strong, faithful, sure of our salvation through Jesus, and that gives us grace through Christ. But then I wanted, when I was reading this, I wanted to touch upon this. Paul called Timothy, my son. Thou, therefore, my son. But now, Paul was not his biological dad. He wasn't. And yet he called him my son. Through Jesus Christ, we are all family. And that's where Paul was calling him my son. When you get saved, you come into the family of Christ. The Bible talks about many parts to the body. Whether you like it or not, I'm kin to you. It's just that simple. We are family in Christ. And we talk, we've talked about this before. I can come to one of you. Sister Amanda, we could be at this door and I could say, guess what God did for me this week? And I could tell her about a blessing. And she'd be happy for me. And we'd rejoice together. We might even have a little church. Can't ever tell. But yeah, if I were to go to some of my unsaved children and say, y'all aren't going to believe what God did for me this week, they're going to roll their eyes and it's going to be Mama is preaching at us again. It's true. I can share God's blessings with you. I have a bond with you. There should be a bond between Christians. Because we have a bond that we don't have with the sinner. We have a bond together through Jesus Christ that the sinner doesn't understand. 
You can go to a center and say, God has blessed me. And they're like, well, I don't know what you think about that. You work for that job. That raise you got, you earned. God gives opportunities for things to happen. We have a bond that we won't have with our family members that are sinners because they don't understand. If we are true Christians, then we are all family. I may be that crazy aunt or that grumpy uncle, but through Christ, we're still family. Like it or not. And if we're Christians, we're supposed to love everybody. Now, you don't have to hang around with me. You don't have to be my best bud. But as Christians, we're still family. And we're supposed to love them. God showed us grace and mercy, and we're supposed to do the same thing. It's just, I mean, that's scripture. Turn over to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and start in verse 6. I'm going to read 6 and 7. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, But he, talking about God, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And we talk about coming boldly before the throne of God. And I'm talking about coming with the confidence in Christ and not within ourselves. Now, give grace unto the humble. We go to the throne not demanding because we're Christians, but humbly because we know that we don't deserve anything from God. I don't. You can speak for yourself. I'll tell you right now. I do not deserve the blessings that God gives me. But I am so thankful for him. He is a wonderful God. And that goes back to I know he loves me. I love my children. And I do just about anything in the world for them. As long as they wasn't covering up something they shouldn't have done. I'm a tough love person. And they all know it. They were raised that way. If you mess up, you fess up. You know, I'm not a parent that says, oh, my kid could never do anything wrong, and if they do, it's somebody else's fault. We all make choices on our own. We all make our own choices. And when we make those choices, good or bad, there are consequences to them, good or bad. So I don't deserve anything from God, but by His grace, because of His love, for his son, Jesus Christ, he grants our request and blesses our lives. I'm so thankful that submit yourself to God. I've done more than one lesson on that. He can do lessons on that forever. Do we submit ourselves to God? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But do you really? Do you really? Submit yourself to God. Well, one time I did so and so, but he asked me ten, 
Well, if he asked you ten and you only did one, are you submitting yourself to God? Because I think, I don't know who it was up here said, there are no part-time Christians. You're either 100% totally committed to God or you're not. I don't think I'm going to be able to stand before him and say, well, God, I gave you 50% of my life. And he'll say, oh, well, come on in. That's okay. I understand it. We are all right. I think what I'll be hearing is, depart from me, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. You have to be 100% totally committed to God if we belong to him. Amen. And then why wouldn't you want to be? Why would you not want to be? Would you be totally, would you be 50% committed to your spouse? No. I'll do with you half the time. Half the time I'm going to be out there doing what I want. I'm telling my house, that ain't going to work. It wouldn't. And I'm sure it wouldn't work at your house either. But what about a job? Years ago, Larry had a girl come in apply for a job, a full-time job, 40 hours a week. And on her application, she put, she could work Monday, 8 to 12, Tuesday, 5, or 4 to 5, and I mean, it was just weird hours. Do you think she got hired? No. I could see me going in and telling my boss, well, I want to work on Mondays half a day, Fridays I don't want to work at all. Wednesdays I'll work all day, and it's a 40-hour week. We would never do that. And yet we do that with God all the time. Are you really 100% totally committed to God? Because if you are, then you're his property. You may not like hearing that. But if we're saved, if we're a true Christian... We belong to God. I gave my life to God. So it doesn't belong to me anymore. It's his. Now, do I mess up? I told you I mess up all the time. But I'm trying my best. So when we get saved, we submit to God. We belong to him. And do you not think that he's going to take care of his belongings? <coughs> You know, you see people get a new car and boy, they're out there just a washing and a shining that car, taking care of it, or they got a new house. Really, it doesn't matter what you have. If God gave it to you, we should take care of it. Because it belongs to us. Well, if we belong to God, God's going to take care of us. So we have to stay strong. In our faith and not give in to temptation or the devil, however you want to put it, and he'll plead from us. At least for the moment. Because he's going to come back. Try this experiment. The next time that you're down or you're angry or it seems like nothing's going your way, either out loud or in your head, depends on where I'm at. If I'm in my car, it's out loud. Start singing gospel songs. Even if it's just, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You start singing it over and over and over in your head. Kind of like Dory, just keep singing, just keep singing. 
Well, you keep singing it over and over, guess what? Before you know it, your spirits are going to be lifted. You might realize that your anger isn't hurting anybody but yourself. Things might just look a little brighter. Try it. Just try it. What have you got to lose? And look what you got to gain. Can't hurt anything. Just try it. Try it and see if I'll challenge you. There you go. I'll challenge you to try it. So you can either prove me right or prove me wrong. So just try it. When Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he was talking about not wanting to be held in high esteem. And that's up above in the scripture that we just read. But he's telling them, don't, it's not me. You know, things that he was teaching and the works that he was doing, he was telling them it was Jesus Christ working through him. And he was telling them that because of all of this, Satan stayed after him, and this kept him humble, and it said something about a thorn in his side. Turn over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9 says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And he, talking about Jesus, said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul asked three times. He asked God three times to remove the trouble out of his life. But he was told no. If we don't get a yes answer from God, we are so quick to say he didn't answer our prayer. Well, I'm going to tell you, God is not a yes man. He knows what's best for us, even when we don't. Sometimes God answers no. Maybe it's not good for us. Maybe the timing's not right. No, maybe it could cause us to fail. And you think, well, no. Well, what you do today affects what you do tomorrow. So it might not be today that you would fail, but maybe further down the road. Um, maybe it could make your faith stronger. Or he may have something better for you. Now, sometimes we don't like letting go of something that we really like. Sometimes God's got a better plan. Who knows? We will never know everything that goes on in the mind of God as long as we're living here on this earth. But just because he says no doesn't mean he doesn't love us. Just the opposite, really. I mean, that no may be protecting you from something that you couldn't stand up to, you know. Would you tell your child, yes, they can play in the busy highway but watch for cars? Could you see me telling him at that? He said, I want to go out there and play. Sure, go ahead. Just watch for cars. He's three. Well, I wouldn't even let Isaac. He's 11. Just because they ask, we don't always tell them yes. Any good parent would say no. You're not going out there playing in the road. 
Why would we tell them no? Because we are the adult and we know what could happen. So we keep them out of the situation to keep them safe. You know, kids don't have the same concept of safety and consequences as adults do. You said, if I let him go out there and he's going to watch for cars, he might get distracted, forget to watch for cars and get hurt or maybe run over and killed. Ever thought maybe that's why God tells us no? You know? So that he can protect us from what could happen, what might happen, what would happen. And yet we're so quick to get angry when he tells us no. I wonder how many times we have told one of our kids no, especially a smaller child, and they throw a fit. I say that. Even teenagers and adults still do that. They don't get what they want, boy, they're sold up mad for a week. I wonder what God thinks about us when we act that way, when he tells us no, instead of saying, okay, God, there's a reason. My kids will tell you, there's a reason for everything. They have been taught that and taught that and taught that. It's second nature for them to say that. There's a reason for everything. Well, if God tells you no, there's a reason. We may not know it. We may not understand it. We may not agree with it. But if we're Christians and God's got 100% control of our life, we should accept it. So it's something we need to think about. Jesus said his grace is sufficient for any and everything, whether it be yes or no. So his grace is sufficient even when we're told no. We have to learn to lean on him, you know. When we're weak, where do we draw our strength from? Our faith in Jesus Christ. No. We're strong through him. Because believe me, it is so human nature and so easy to give in to temptation if we did not have him to call upon. Turn over to John 1. I don't know what happened to my clock up here, and I can't see that clock back there, so I have no idea what time it is. John 1, chapter, six, or John chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. John chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. It says, and he is, talking about Jesus, and his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace, which is how we're saved, and truth came by Jesus Christ. Whosoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Grace, 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 grace. Without it, we'd all still be lost. We'd still be dying and on our way to a burning hell without the grace of God. His grace is sufficient. It's sufficient to overcome the sin in our life, and it makes us possible for us to face anything that comes our way. But it also makes us victorious because Jesus is fighting a battle for us. You know, sometimes 
we make things harder on ourselves. Because a trial will come up, or trouble will come up, or hardship will come up. And we worry ourselves to death trying to figure out how we're going to deal with it. Or we make ourselves exhausted trying all the avenues or the options that we can think of to solve the problem. But what we need to do is go to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, and we do that after we have exhausted everything most of the time. And I'm guilty of it. I've tried everything. You know, I like all my ducks in a row. That's just the way I am. But we'll work on something, work on something. That doesn't work, so we'll try this. That doesn't work, so we'll try this. And when we finally are exhausted and we can't do anything and we know... I've tried everything and nothing works. Then I'm like, God, can you help me? Will you do something? When how much worry, exhaustion, pain, and suffering would I have saved if I went to him to start with and said, Lord, I'm living for you. I'm your child, and I know you love me. And I know you want what's best for me. And Lord, I don't know what's best for me. And I don't know about this situation other than the fact that I don't like it. But I don't know what to do about it. So God, I'm asking you. You do what you think is best. You handle it where it's going to bring glory to you. Because, you know, everything we think, say, and do is supposed to bring glory to the Lord. So you take care of it. I'll try my best. Sometimes I fail to sit back, keep a mouth shut, don't do anything, and let you handle it. Um, Larry says I'm pushy. I say I'm persistent. I'm a take charge kind of person because I've always had to... Uh, my mom died when I was 15, and at 13, I'm taking care of her. At 14, I'm changing a bandage where she's got tubing in her side and then taking a kidney out from cancer. So I never was a kid. I was always, I was the oldest girl, so I always had to be in charge. So it's hard for me sometimes to step back and say, okay, God, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to, sometimes I have to sit on my hands and chew my tongue. But I have to learn to let him have control. Whether we like it or not, he's the one that knows all about it. I'm just looking at this. He's seeing all of this. I'm looking at today. He's looking at every day after. See, we have to learn that God knows more than we do. He's smarter than we are. And he knows what's best for us. So we have to step back and let him have control. His grace is sufficient to overcome anything. And if we'll let him have it, we'll be victorious through him because he's fighting our battles. But that's my choice. It's your choice. You know, 
It's up to us. What we do and what we don't do goes back to, and I'm a big on choices. I say that all the time up here. You choose. You choose how you live your life. You choose how committed you are to God. You choose whether you let him lead you or not. You choose. It's all your choice. God's not going to make you do anything. He's not. As someone said, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. It's your choice. Your choice. Nobody can make it for you. You know, I could tell Larry, Bob, I think you ought to do this, this, and this. And he might say, okay. And then do what he wants to. And vice versa. And probably more on me than him. We have to let God lead. But it's our choice. It's our choice. If it was up to me, every one of my kids would be in a church somewhere today worshiping God. But I can't choose salvation for them. They have to choose it for themselves. Our choice. But just remember, God's grace is sufficient. It's sufficient to bring you through and out of anything and everything. But you have to believe it. Brother John, that's all I got.